Welcome back to the Red Dice Diaries RPG podcast. I'm your host, John, and in today's episode, I'm going to be talking about the progress bar in RPGs. But first of all, cue the music. So, I recently received my Kickstarter copy of Extreme Dungeon Mastery 2nd Edition, written by Tracy and Curtis Hickman. It's a very interesting book that is chock full of DM tips and hints for improving your games. Now, I've only just started reading it and haven't really delved into the meat of the book just yet. However, even at this early stage, there have been some bits that have stood out to me. One of these is the idea of a progress bar in D&D and other assorted TTRPGs. This is a concept that is well known in computer games, even going back to the really old games of my youth, when often you get a message when you either died or completed a game, although to be honest in my case it was normally died, telling you what your score was and encouraging you to go back and find those hidden areas and secret treasures that you might have missed along your way. In modern computer RPGs, there are often a series of markers that you complete along your way to accomplishing a quest or goal. By looking at these markers, and it's often easy to ascertain how near you are to accomplishing your overall objective within the game. Extreme Dungeon Mastery splits players into three different types, and these are the Warrior, who unsurprisingly is mainly focused around killing monsters and bad guys, the Bard, who really loves to throw themselves into the role-playing aspect of the hobby, explore the world and, you know, really get lost and immersed in it. And the calculator, a person who likes to examine the odds, calculate their chance of success, track all of the equipment they're carrying in their inventory, have clearly defined goals and work towards them. And it's the third of these player types, the calculator, where the book mentions the progress bar. Since this type of player often enjoys working towards a goal and feeling like they are making progress. It can become frustrating and boring for them if there are no indicators of this, because, rightly or wrongly, without indicators, they sometimes assume that no progress is being made whatsoever. The book likens this experience to moving documents or installing a piece of software on a computer system, and I think that's a good analogy. After all, we've all been in those situations. For me, it's normally just post-notification of a new Windows update, when you're watching the progress bar tick up on your installation, you're sat there drumming your thumbs, waiting for it to get to 100% so you can actually start using your machine. Then suddenly, the bar just seems to stop moving. If you're lucky, it's only for a little while, otherwise it can seem to be frozen for an eternity. We've probably all been gripped by that momentary confusion or indecision where we think, has my machine crashed? Do I restart it? Is that just going to make things worse? It's a really frustrating and annoying experience. Now, I would personally expand Extreme DM's progress bar analogy out to encompass all types of player, not just the ones more interested in working out the odds and discrete goals. Because let's face it, whilst there are many reasons we play D&D and other tabletop RPGs, you know, to have fun with our friends, to socialise, to tell stories, hell, just to fling some dice, and I'm sure there are many, many more. But most of us, regardless of player type, like to think that the actions of our player characters are making some sort of difference in the campaign world, even if that's just the case of like, oh, we've cleared out this dungeon, there are no longer monsters in it, all the way up to we've overthrown the evil prince of this kingdom, and we're now going to put someone more just and righteous in his place. We just like to feel that we're making some sort of difference in the campaign world that the GM has created for the game. 
Now, I've talked about this before, but having consequences and repercussions for actions helps maintain the illusion that games take place in a real space. Now, obviously, there are quotations around the word real when I say that, because we all know it's fiction and a game, but we all suspend our disbelief for those precious few hours of game time that we get to spend exploring a fantasy world or futuristic vistas. One of the sure-fired ways to shatter this suspension of disbelief is for games to become repetitive or to seem like they are treading water with nothing changing or progressing in the campaign world. For example, let's say you've got a mountainous area to the north of your campaign world that you've decided is heavily infested with tribes of brutal, barbaric orcs. All the random encounter tables lean heavily towards encounters with orcs and other related creatures. Having a random encounter with a band of 3d6 orcs or whatever might work great the first few times the PCs decide to explore the mountains. However, if nothing changes, then the sense of progress and development is lost and the game will start to feel samey and perhaps even a little stale after a while. If, however, after the first few encounters with orcs, you perhaps have the orc tribes step up their campaigns or maybe start increasing the numbers of men in their patrols to prevent them from being so easily killed by adventurers, then it feels like the game world is progressing and there are consequences for the actions the PCs have taken. Now, most tabletop RPGs have a systemic progress bar built into them in the form of experience points. This might take the form of levels, as in D&D, skill points, or some other method. Whatever the method is, essentially it means that your character improves in some capacity the more they adventure. This is great, however, systemic progress can be a little dry and almost becomes something separate to what is going on in the game session itself. Now, some people love adding extra dots or abilities to their character sheet. I'm no stranger to that. And it's great when your PC finally gets that ability or skill you've been looking forward to. However, unless you're playing a game where your XP slash advancement is tied directly to the actions taken in the session, and there are plenty of those out there, this advancement is almost a little mini game unto itself. It doesn't have the same feeling as progress that you actually make in the game world itself. The way I look at this is I liken this to grinds in online games where you're essentially repeating the same set of actions or mini missions just to level up characters. This can be its own kind of fun, but it's hard to argue that it's not a little repetitive. Having a sense of progress in a game that is separate from XP and character advancement not only makes your game world seem more like a lived-in place, as we discussed earlier, but it also helps make your sessions feel more dynamic and interesting. So, how do you use this notion of a progress bar in your tabletop RPG sessions? Well, the easiest way I've found to do this is using a method called clocks that I first encountered in the game Apocalypse World. Essentially, you draw a circle and you divide it into four sections, although this can vary depending on how big you want the clock to be. When all of the segments are filled in, some sort of event will occur or goal has been reached. For example, the PCs will have completed building their tower, the orc horde has gathered and sweeps down from the mountains to lay waste to the realms of men. The evil sorcerer completes the ceremony to become a lich. The head of the PC's noble house dies. When you have drawn the clock, either at certain intervals, if the event's going on in the background, or when certain actions are performed, if the PCs are directly involved, you fill in one of the segments. Now, you don't have to stick with either of these triggers for filling in a segment. You can switch between the two depending on the needs of your game. For example, perhaps in the aforementioned example of the orcs gathering to launch their attack, you decide that every month that passes, you're going to tick off a segment on the clock. 
Then, during one adventure, the PCs launch an attack against one of the Mountain Orc Warlords, completely destroying or routing all of his forces. Obviously, this will affect the progress of the clock. And a couple of ways in which this might affect the progress of the clock are perhaps the Orcs are no longer a threat at all, and the clock can be discarded. Maybe set up a new clock representing problems with the remnants of the Orc forces that has a completely different outcome should it be completed. Or perhaps the Orcs are still a threat, but the loss of forces causes them to have to regroup and slowly rebuild their army. Maybe you now only fill in a segment every three months instead of every month to represent this slower build-up. Now, you don't have to make this clock visible to the players. You can keep it tucked in your notes, since perhaps you don't want them to know about the Orc army build-up until they discover it in character. But if you can, having the clock visible to the players as it slowly gets filled in can not only create a sense of tension and urgency, but also it lets them know that things are going on in the background, whether they choose to interact with them or not. Another way I've seen this done really well is in the index card RPG. Essentially, in each scene in a game of ICRPG, you place a D4, the bigger and more visible the dice is the better, in the center of the table with the four face showing. Each turn or round, you tick the dice down by one, with the idea that once the simple timer reaches zero, something will occur to change the focus of or shake up the scene. The game specifically says that the players should be aware of this to create tension and help maintain a fast pace in the game, but it's also great for encouraging GMs to continually switch up their combats and scenes rather than allowing them to become stagnant and bogged down in minutia. Okay, so we've talked about a couple of different methods that can be used to track progress and how they're useful to a game. However, none of this is much use if it's all going on behind the scenes and the players are unaware of it. This is an easy trap to fall into, and I'm sometimes guilty of it myself. One of the triggers, if you want to call it that, for creating this episode, in addition to reading the XDM book, was me thinking about ways to be more transparent with regards to events going on in my own Smoke and Snow OSE campaign. When we talked about ICRPG a moment ago, we mentioned how the game specifically advises you to let the players see the countdown, so they know stuff is progressing in the game. Now that's great, but even if you're not using a countdown or a clock of any sort, there are still ways to let your players know that they are progressing, setting aside the acquisition of experience points and levels. Now some of the more obvious are acquisition of new equipment, acquiring money and treasure, taking on hirelings, stuff like that. But equally, there are other progress markers, if you want to call them that, that can also help reinforce the shared illusion of your game world. Perhaps a player character is knighted or given a title after accomplishing a noble deed. The title may come with lands or responsibilities that can add additional interest and challenges to the game going forward. The PC could earn the allegiance or the enmity of a notable NPC that can either turn up to help or hinder them in the future. Hell, perhaps even an NPC villain is forced to change their plans to take into account the actions of the player party. And the thing that's great about all of these signs of progress is that not only do they let the players know that their actions are having an effect in this game world and that things are moving on, but they also tie those player characters even closer and sort of embed them in your game world. To use the example of the player character getting knighted or given a title, let's say that he inherits a small barony as a as a sort of a bonus of his title. That then means that you've got to introduce that barony or they've got to get to know the area 
how do they govern it whilst they're how do they balance that with their sort of adventuring if they ignore it and just go off adventuring what is the response of the the sort of the people who live in their barony who are expecting to be pr protected by this player character after all they're paying their taxes and whatnot so you know expecting a little bit of protection isn't an unreasonable demand and in fact we've sort of got this situation going on in my smoke and snow ose campaign at the moment where johannes's character weimar lone grove has through various events and things that have gone on in the game become the castellan of new zealand this town which has sort of sprung up from the village that they help found and effectively there are two people who rule over new zealand there is the mayor who is responsible for like civic stuff and trade and whatnot going on and then there is the castellan who is responsible for like the outer walls defending the place training the guards anything to do with like military and stuff like that and the defense of the town and those two are supposed to sort of work together and by working together they have all of the bases covered now there's no sort of tension between the mayor and the castellan he didn't get on with the previous sort of castellan but he's actually quite looking forward to the change of guard so to speak and hopes that he'll get on more with weimar lone grove however weimar's been off and all about the place doing all adventures and all the sort of normal stuff you'd expect a player character to be doing in a DD style game however in return that means he's maybe not been paying as much attention to his duties as a castellan and that might cause him problems or at least sort of challenges in the future because he has a staff of guards effectively he's in charge of like the town guards in their sort of two tower fortresses but what are those guards going to start thinking if like after a few months like the castellan's not really done much he's not even been sort of getting introduced to his men he's not been sharing with a tower with them he's not been sort of shouldering his responsibilities so to speak and i'm not sure how that's going to play out yet in the game but we will see in future but it's a potentially more interest and more dynamism in the future of the campaign and that's all because Yannis's character by virtue of getting this title and the responsibility that goes with it is now sort of tied more closely into the campaign world and he has these responsibilities that he has to think about so there we are there's a few thoughts on how you can create a sense of progress in your rpgs and why it's a good thing to do so we hope you've enjoyed this episode if you'd like to get in touch with us maybe tell us how you track progress and how you make that obvious that progress is being made to the players in your games or maybe you'd like to chat about clock or the icrpg method of handling it or anything else to do with tabletop rpgs then you can get in touch with us a few different ways you can drop us a voicemail message using either speakpipe or anchor there'll be a link in the description down below or you can send us an email to rddrpgpodcast at gmail.com we really do appreciate your calls and who knows you might be featured in a future podcast episode so until we see you again take care stay safe and whatever you're playing have fun.